I want to talk about prophecy. I want to I want to share one with you. Huh? Do we need more? Did you say? Or okay. And I hope to preach a short sermon because then I'd like us to do some stuff together before communion. So I'm going to give that a try. So, Father, we thank you for your living word. We don't read it. It reads us. We don't scrutinize it. It scrutinizes us. It discerns the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And so as we open your word, we want to be confronted by it. We want to be apprehended by it. We want to be corrected by it. So teach us through your word, through one another. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I talked to Bob, who is not feeling well today. We got to, and we bless Bob. We pray for Bob. We pray for healing for Bob. Strengthen his body and in his spirit. If Bob were here, I was going to ask him to share. because He shared that uh, a couple words that I'd given to him were not accurate. And that uh, I gave the impression that, that uh, revival was coming sooner than it obviously is. I don't know if I said it's, it's on us this summer. I, if if, if somebody, somebody knows that I said that, You'd let me know. You let me know now if you want to, or later. We both felt that it was it was so imminent that we prayed I, every Thursday. I still do pray. I still pray on Thursdays. Now, Lord, now, Lord, because I'm so confident of the imminence of revival. Haven't changed at all in that regard. But it's longer. It's it's taking longer than I thought it was going to take. And so I want us to talk about prophetic words. And uh, just ask the question, well, what do we do with words? I had a guy, and I wrote this at the top, a guy that some of you know. He was one of the leaders of Communitas. And when we were in Brazil, he got a prophetic word. And he and I both discerned it to be true. And so he came to me a few years ago. Dan, you know him very well. He came to me a few years ago, and he said, what do I do with this? Do I just give up? Do I just throw it away? Was it a wrong word? I said, well, we didn't think it was a wrong word. So how do you, how do you handle that? That was a pastoral question. He came to me as a pastor. There is a stereotypical difference between pastors and priests which is more true in the Old Testament than in the New Testament, but it's also in some ways true in the New. John the Baptist is an is a Old Testament prophetic type. I wouldn't want him as my pastor, I don't think, because he'd be rocking the boat all the time. He's a boat rocker. He jars things. He doesn't smooth things. There's a statement that, uh, that some Past, some comfort the afflicted and some afflict the comfortable. Well, the prophetic type are, are okay about afflicting the comfortable. And some pastoral types don't want to do that. 
They don't, they don't want any boat rocking. They want it easy. They, they, they're, they're good at comforting, but not as good as giving wake-up calls. Well, I'd sure want John the Baptist in here if we needed a wake-up call, wouldn't you? And he, he would know how to do it, and some pastors wouldn't. So I just wrote some things that Jesus brings those two together. Jesus, was he a prophet? Was he a pastor? Was he an apostle? The Bible calls him an apostle, an apostle and a high priest. And he was, a, he was an evangelist and he was a teacher. He was all those things. So Jesus has it all. He's, he does the fivefold in himself. And so we have parts of the life of Christ that we minister to others. And so just thinking about prophecy now, there may be more than three kinds. There probably are. But there are prophecies that are directive in nature. When God called Abraham to leave his country, he wasn't trying to comfort him. He wasn't trying to encourage him. He was directing him. He was saying, do this. So the test of that is, are you obeying? If he hadn't obeyed, he hadn't fulfilled that word. Then there are warnings, prophetic warnings. Do you remember any from our reading in Acts? Okay, what's his name? Agabus. There you are. Agabus in uh, Acts 21. He took Paul's belt. Give me your belt. He put it around his hands and around his feet, and he said, So will happen. This man will be turned over to the Jews in Jerusalem and handed over, who will hand him over to the Gentiles. Was it an accurate word? Okay, that was a warning to Paul. What did Paul say when they said that? Basically, bring it on. He said, I'm going, bring it on. Now, he had also prophesied earlier as well, this Agabus. He was a tested prophet. What did he prophesy? Famine. Did it happen? Did they respond to it? Did the people respond when they heard it? Yes, they did. They sent Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem. So warnings, prophet, anybody received a prophecy of a warning or of something impending that you needed to be aware of? Do you remember it enough to share it? Do you? Share one if you want to. Uh-huh. Well, the Lord just told me, and I told my husband that we were going to be entering the most difficult time of our lives. Um, and you know, it doesn't take a rocket science when you have teenagers in the house. But um, it was it was before they started really to enter into that teenage stage. And I said, "This is going to be the difficult, most difficult period of our marriage and our lives." And it has. <laughs> and it was. And it was. Yeah. And did that help you? No. Knowing yeah. That? Yeah, I think many of us have had have 
haven't you? Have we, we've, we've had one this week? You had one? God speaks, doesn't he? You can hear the Lord. He can speak to us. One of my favorite times is in the afternoon when I come to him, not with any words. I just come to him with my computer open and ready to, to listen. I, I like to do that because God talks to us. So warnings. By far the most, the most common prophecy is encouragement, exhortation, or comfort. The test in a warning word is to heed it and do, do what, what you feel you need to do. Paul heeded it, but he, he went right into it. Bring it on, he said. So, uh, uh, and he, did, he didn't disobey the word, but he, he knew what was coming. A word of encouragement, it's not for us to step out and do something. When I was a young pastor, I uh, ever heard the name Dick Mills? Some of you older uh, would, would know him. Yeah. I believe, I believe this is true. I believe that Larry told me that he memorized 5,000 uh, uh, promises, and he would give promises when he uh, would uh, give prophetic words. And I was at uh, USC. We had a conference there. I was going. I had my tray. I was walking to the table, and he said, you will go to the nation." and the nations will come to you. So what do you do when you get something like that? Do you buy a ticket? You, is, that a, is that a directive word? No, it isn't. It's, it's not a word to do something. OK, so you know, do, I didn't share it with anybody. But when I left Trinity, I knew God was going to fulfill that at that time, because I, I was going to come back and direct Lutheran renewal. And then I did part of it. I did the first part. The second part, I have an idea. But the first part, uh, you will go. So I did. And I went to, went to the nations. And that, so that was a true word. But it took a long time. And there was nothing I could do about it. There was, I, I shouldn't do anything about it. So here's David getting a word. You're going to be king. So what does he do? Buy a crown? Does, does he uh, kill Saul? That was hard for him. Hard for Joseph. He had a word. It was like a promise. What's the word? They bow down. Didn't look like it. Didn't look like that's going to be fulfilled. When you get a, a word of comfort, a word of encouragement, it tests you because you have to wait. And there's a powerful scripture uh, from Psalm 105. I put it here. Until what he had said came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Imagine every time Abram was called to breakfast, his word was being tested. Abram means exalted father. Then he was tested even more when his name was changed to father of multitudes. Wonderful word, only he didn't even have one son. So to wait and to believe. So the test of a word of encouragement is, do I believe? Now, you have to test it first to, to believe that you're going to embrace it. But once you embrace it, when you get a word from Samuel, you know it's a word from the Lord. To Samuel, none of his words fell to the ground. So he knew this was the right word, but it didn't look like it. It looked like just the opposite. The king, whom he was going to be a king, was trying to kill him. And so in that time, 
between the prophecy and the fulfillment, it's like, it's like the promise of going into the promised land. Between the, the promise and going into the land, there's a process. You're going through the wilderness. You're going through the test. And as you've heard me say before, when you pass the test, it becomes a testimony. So you're looking for that. You want to you live it right. But there is a process. And as Tim Urban said in a teaching here once, delay is not denial. So when you have to delay, can ever you think of times where you've had to delay a long time? <laughs> and it feels like, oh, this is hard. Because you're waiting, and it sure doesn't look like it. Delay is not denial, because God is doing something out here, but he's also doing something in your heart, isn't he? He did something in Joseph to make him ready for the fulfillment of the word. He did something in David. He wasn't ready to, to carry a crown. He wasn't ready to be king. After he was the head honcho for 400 redneck rebels, dissidents, banned uh, in the desert, after he led them for a few years, he was more prepared to be the king over Israel. God was preparing him. So if you have a true word, you can take it to the bank. It's going to be fulfilled. Uh, it it uh, it could be a while. So so how how then do we test words? Yeah. Ooh, good. Another example would be Abraham, who who pushed it. Ah, got an Ishmael that didn't work. We we can we can push it. That's true. We can engineer things to try to make this word happen. Don't touch it. Keep your hands off. Because God knows what he's doing. He's engineering it. And man, when it was ready for David, they, they came and they embraced him. It was ready for Joseph. My, was he ready? And they bowed down. It's incredible. They bowed down to their father. So what do we do? First thing, we pray. We pray it. David prayed, he prayed, he longed, he, he wondered, he cried out, but he prayed. That's the first thing you can do with a word. Also, you weigh it. How do you weigh it? You weigh the message and the messenger. Does it ring true with me? And that's important. Does it ring true? Do I, do I feel the substance of this in my heart? Because some words, you can say, that wasn't the right word. You can tell right away, that wasn't for me. You got, you got the wrong person there. And it's okay. You know, an authentic word stands under the scrutiny of testing, right? An authentic word. Authentic word is strengthened by being tested. You don't have to feel like you're blaspheming the Lord. If John Paul Jackson had given you a word, and you say, well, I need to test it. No, you test everything from everybody. Because nobody bats a thousand except the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we test and we pray it. Then we weigh it. And we, we weigh to see whether this, this comes true under the weight of the testimony of friends. I talk to friends. When I started hearing words about revival, Nate and I started meeting together. 
I, I talked to Gary, I talked to Larry. Those are my two guys, Larry Christensen and Gary Gilbertson. Larry, Larry is my mentor who stands above me in, in wisdom and strength and spiritual power. And Gary is my, where we iron, sharp, iron sharpens one another, we sharpen each other. And so I have both of them, and I talked to both of them. And I said, am I an idiot? Am I, am I dreaming? Am I, am I saying these things? And, and uh, they, they said, hold it. Just hold it. Just keep holding it. Hold it open. So uh, as after we weigh it, then we say it. And when I say say it, Nehemiah felt called to go to Israel. He felt God speaking that to him. So he prayed for a long time. He, he, it, he knew it was the truth, but he, he wanted to say it when the time was right. When he did, it brought the response of the people. And so I'm careful uh, when and how I say it, because I may say it with somebody who's not ready to weigh it well. And it, uh, you can get a wrong word. But at some point, you do say it. You can, you can say it. You can share it. Ultimately, you obey it. You do. You, you have to carry it out. You have to walk into that word to be king or to, to see what God does. And hey, God fulfilled it. Uh, he's doing what he said he would do. So uh, I'm putting this before you. Because Bob, it hurt Bob, who would say this if he were here, that I gave him two words that were not accurate. They did not get fulfilled. Now, because one of them had a time frame on it, it didn't happen in a time frame. I generally don't give time frames, but I gave a time frame to a word to Dave Heinrich. And I... I did it because I saw a looking glass with the sand falling out. It was almost to the bottom. And uh, I was at a camp, or he was at a men's camp. And I said, uh, it's almost run out. And people gasped. The, the men at, the, at Northgate, they, <gasps> because he had had heart trouble. And it looked like I was going to say he was about to die. And I said, no, no, no. He's about to enter into ministry. He was in uh, real estate. I said within two weeks, and I said two weeks because the it was just about. And I just said two weeks, that's what happened. Things happened very quickly for him. And it was very encouraging to him, very encouraging to me. It's a dangerous thing to do that. Now, my question for you is, uh, I, I apologize to Bob. And I'd apologize to any of you. If you came to me and said, you gave me a word, and it didn't come true, and we weighed it, either it's going to come true, or if it has a time frame on it, then, and it didn't, I was wrong. So, just. Are you talking about where you said you started praying last spring into the summer for revival, because you felt like it was coming? Is that the word that came to mind for you? No. No, oh, no, it wasn't. It was a, per, a more personal word oh, for him. Oh. The word that I, yeah, I, I prayed with regarding the revival word because Nate and I talked about it, 
And we said, did we jump the gun? I was ready to come and say we jumped the gun because we said something had started. We felt the train had left the station and we were on it, that revival had begun, and it was in the ground beginning to be uh, to come forth. Now, J. Edwin Orr, who is the leading leader of revival in, uh, in the world, I don't know if he's still living. I think he died. Uh, but he wrote books about revival, got his PhD on revival. When it was tested by Harvard, they obviously knew that he knew all, much more than they did about it. It's hard to test him on it. He said, when someone asked him, are we in revival? He said, if you're in revival, you don't ask, are you in revival? You know you're in revival. So are we in revival? No, we're not in revival. But there, we felt that, it, that something had begun. So, but if I was deceptive in that, if, in that, if that discouraged people, I'm not going to pray for it because I thought it was coming and it didn't come. See, I'm just continuing to pray, believing it's imminent. It could happen today. It could happen in five minutes. That's the way I'm believing. That's the way I'm living. That's the way I'm praying. But if I gave you the impression that when I went to Norway, they said, Paul, you told us it was happening in the whatever. I said, did I? If I did, that was wrong because it didn't happen. Some thought I did, some thought I didn't. Nathan? Nathan? Mm-hmm. There are dozens and dozens of authentic prophecies in Scripture that do not come to pass, but they were true. Every time God prophesied judgment and said, I promise you I'm going to smite you in your land, blah, 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 blah. Every single time there's a judge, promise of judgment that can always be thwarted through humility mm-hmm. and repentance every single time. Also, mm-hmm. a lot of God promised all of Israel, all, all of the Hebrews, come out of Egypt and I will bring you to a land and you will all enter the promised land and all die in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Good, good point. Every one of them. Very good. And Jesus talks about that, I think, in the parable of the sower. When he says the sower goes out to sow the seed, the seed is the word of God. Mm-hmm. So, Father, we pray for those words that we are carrying, that people are carrying. We pray for them. We pray that you would, you would uh, give us wisdom and patience 
wisdom to weigh properly and to wait in the Spirit for you to do what He wants to do. I want to give you a word that I got this morning. I woke up, woke up early, and this came to me. It it developed as I uh, pondered it. Lord spoke to me and said that Lydia House is to have traveling teams. I know that I will be traveling much in the year, but I didn't put it together with this church necessarily. I heard the word team a couple of weeks ago, but I expected it to be teams made up of friends from North Heights perhaps, others that I've already connected with. The last two traveling teams have been Communitas and Lydia House, and it seems to fit who we are. I'm saying this in faith because it relates to a word that I have received two times to carry the seeds of revival like Johnny Appleseed. Fred Tony, a friend of mine, said, Paul, you're a Johnny Appleseed. You have seeds of revival. And I'm down at Bill Goodwin's church, and after I preached, a lady came up to me and said, you're Johnny Appleseed, but you have seeds of revival. I've get, done that before where I got the word twice, and I checked it off and said, this is the Lord speaking. This word has some history to it. We've taken two teams recently, one to Apaca and one to Bismarck. I was delighted at how well both these missions work and how well the team functions. Jason gave a testimony on Thursday night. That was a wonderful testimony. He said he was scared to death. He, he's, he's going, but he said, I'm, I was scared to death. He said, I didn't expect to prophesy, but he ended up prophesying. If he had been here, I would have uh, called on him because it's so wonderful to see what happened first in Lepaca with people that didn't have a lot of experience in ministry. I was almost laughing as I saw whole groups of family go up to one of our kids and if I said to them, I don't know if I'd do that because she or he has not had much experience in praying. And the Lord just opens up opportunities because people go for it and don't hold back. I want to I weigh this word for a month and a half till December 1st. I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there. I've, there's a lot more here. I thought of myself a month ago uh, taking teams. and I, uh, About a year ago, I called Randy Clark and uh, said that I'd be doing uh, some of what he does. He takes teams around the world. And so he, he prayed an impartation. I, I wouldn't have asked for that a few years ago because I didn't believe in impartation. But after I got one from that uh, guy from Uganda, I figured, hey, I'm going to get all the impartations I can get. And so I, I just took that in, um, believing that that will happen. And now the thought is that We'll be doing it together and, and communitas. Uh, and I think different age groups. You know, we've, we've had more of the younger people, but I'd like to take a variety uh, on a team. Um, so it, uh, it's, it's longer. I'm not going to read the rest of it, but I'll, I'll put it out, and, and then we'll just pray about that and see if it rings true and see if it seems to fit who we are and where we are in this season of our life together. What I'd like to do now, just for a few minutes, is to, to do the 1 Corinthians 14, 26. We won't have small groups today. I, I did what I said I would do. I think I did. Yeah, I did. 
So uh, what we'll do now is we'll, when you come together, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, when you come together, whose idea is it to come together? It's the Lord's idea, isn't it? He calls us to come together. He says, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together. I was a young teenager, probably a freshman, and I asked my dad, can I go over to Johnny's today? Johnny had been to church, and uh, he said yes. And so I went over to Johnny's. Later in the day, my dad said, well, how was church? And I said, well, I went over to Johnny's. And he said, wait a minute, you, you didn't go to church? And I said, no, I went over to Johnny's. I thought that was okay. He said, I didn't understand what you were saying. He never yelled at me. When I say never, I mean not once. He has never yelled at me. He never, my dad, he never yelled at me. But I got the understanding that that would happen never again. And it, see, I don't get up thinking, I wonder if I'll go to church today. Because my dad made that very clear. And so it's in the book. So I want us to feel the surge, the joy, when you come together, when you come together. And it says, each one. Now, say each one. Does that include you? That includes you. So we're not looking for the all-stars. You couldn't do this at Eagle Brook. And I thank God for Eagle Brook. I thank God for churches that are winning lost people. That is not anything near close to a, to a criticism. I thank God for substance. My son-in-law is a pastor of substance. I thank God. They couldn't do what we're going to do in a minute because it's bigger. One of the joys of this is that we can do something to fulfill 1 Corinthians 14, 26. When you come together, each one, that means when you come, you come more for what you can give than what you can get. Now, that's not typical. It's not typical. What if everybody here came with the idea, I'm coming to give rather than coming to get? You'd get a lot. And you wouldn't get it all from me or from Nate or Joe. You'd get it from the person who's sitting next to you because they're coming with something, with an experience they had. I had an experience yesterday I'd like to share with you. I may not because if I hear yours, I don't need to share mine. It, it touched me. It encouraged me. It changed me. So we want to do more of this. I want to do more of it. I want to talk to Bob and the LT about this, that 1 Corinthians 14 needs to be lived out in our midst so that when we're together, we go away. Boy, that was an encouraging testimony. Or a song. I'm going to encourage us to play, have two songs instead of five because it says when you come together, each one has a hymn. That means you start the song. Or at least you say it. If you can't sing on key, you can at least tell us, hey, can we sing this one? The answer will be yes. Each one has a hymn, a lesson, something you learn. A tongue. How? And he says, he limits it to two or three. When was the last time we had to limit the number of tongues we had to two or three? See, we need to be doing that. We need to be speaking in tongues, a word in tongues with an interpretation. That's the Bible. So because I preached already, we're, we're not going to take a long time to do it this morning, but we are going to do it. And I hope that some Sundays we say that's our message. We don't have 
We don't have a scheduled person up front, but we have this kind of activity. We had just a short time a few weeks ago. I remember you guys were on the receiving and the giving end, and Tim, we had about five very good, simple, clear words. So if we're, if, we're, if we're saying each one, then each one needs to limit it too, so that this isn't your chance to preach, it's your chance to share something and to make it precise. Good point. Raise your hand if that's okay with you. Is that you? Yeah. 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 Good. Good. Yeah, good. Okay, just turn your hearts now. Take a moment just to, just to thank God you're here. And, and uh, maybe he's already put a word in your heart for an individual or for this group or a word of encouragement. Maybe he's put a song in your heart that you woke up with and you got to sing it or we got to sing it. Maybe something that, that you uh, found yourself failing at or uh, you turned. That happened to me. I was, I was getting very, very frustrated yesterday. And then I just said, thank you for this, and it changed it. Maybe you experienced something that you can share with us that will help us to live more wisely. I'm just going to take another 30 seconds and then... Excellent. Excellent. Agree, and I've written on that, uh, the, the revival culture and a, and, a, and a pastoral culture. I, I'm with you. 
Thank you, Robin. So, prophetic words, lessons, hymns. Very good. Anybody feel like they're too busy? I, I met a couple once or twice. Easy to happen. I have a friend that um, she has a little suitcase that has a, a two sided tube for swabbing your butt to see if it's even if you have one. Mm. And um, I have a friend that sang that to me with um, kind of a burning bush experience I had about two years ago. You know, I just totally collapsed because I didn't see anything that seemed to plan for it and it seemed to center my life went a one eighty the other direction. But I had been up late one night and I have to confess, this was a no brainer before I go to bed and he was gone and I said, Go to go play a little game and in this game sometimes it takes two weeks to pack them up, you know, on a on a weekly basis. And that night it started to fall and all I had to do was like and these bolts coming up and falling up and falling up and falling up. And I'm watching the screen and I'm thinking, is it over? Is it kind of like, it, it, I just still can see it. And a lot of high tops and it just didn't fit. This level just kept going. I thought, well, I wonder if it could get to 10,000 bucks a game. I wonder if it could get to 100,000 bucks. I went, a half an hour later, the same level is still just falling bolts falling. And I'm like, that it's more pious and pure to be lowly in them. And I thought, oh, my husband, oh, yeah, I can't believe 
you believe that I could do this and that there's nothing you could do wrong that could stop me. And wow, does that just like hit me in my everywhere. Um, I, at this point, I'm crying. And I'm looking at this thing and it's opening up a song. And it was now a real man. And I had to lay my phone down and go, don't you dare step on it. My publicist said, do you have a friend at work? And she's saying this back to me about how my publicist said, Karen, you forgotten. You're busy with a gold coin. And I went, oh yeah, I am. Because life has gotten a bit harder. <laughs> and recently, um, Joel's had a passion and our relationship evolved. And I want to sit there with you. Oh, <laughs> so this is where I'm going to speak with tough accountability and confidentiality. I need yeah. people to continue to stand on um, I, I've been I've been made a guardian of a very large estate. Mm-hmm. Very, very large. <coughs> and one of the requirements of that is to distribute that formation among the estate. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, very precise. There's two requirements out of the four guardianship and out of the will. You must go for the rest of your life. And we felt like to be the living hope, the living wage of how God has shaped so people with a call all around the world. Wouldn't you be able to fill in Hallelujah. for that? Let's pray for that. Let's Lord, we just ask your blessing <coughs> upon this requirement mm-hmm. and humble their people, mm-hmm. humble beyond belief, that you would see mm-hmm. you as worthy mm-hmm. to be responsible for this great estate. It is not any money for me. It is money for the work of this church. So, Lord, if this is something that you want to bring to fruition through us, Lord, continue on. We're going to take communion now, so uh, bring forth the elements. We remember, we, we come back to our center. Our center is the cross. We're Christ-centered, God-honoring, Holy Spirit-filled people who believe in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we remember how our Lord Jesus Christ in the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Same way also he took the cup. And if you get it, you just hold on to it. We'll eat and drink together. He took the cup and when he had supped, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for many 
for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So we stop and we remember our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says to examine ourselves, not to beat ourselves up, but to see if there are things that we need to deal with as we prepare. The Bible says then you can drink it in a, in a worthy manner. That doesn't mean that you yourself are worthy in yourself. It means that you confess your sins and let Christ overcome them in you. So we take a moment just to lay ourselves before the Lord. And we dare to pray, we dare to call God our Father as we say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Mine is the kingdom and the power Take and eat. Take and drink. Body of our Lord Jesus Christ and his precious blood strengthen you and keep you steadfast into life everlasting. Lord bless you and keep you. Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.